सहनावतो सहनावनतो सहवेर्यंकरवावहै तेजस्विनावधेतमस्तुमा विद्विशावहै ओम शांतेशांतेशांतेहि ओम पूर्णमदः पूर्णमिदं पूर्णात्पूर्णमुदच्छते पूर्णस्य पूर्णमादाय पूर्णमेव वशिष्यते ओम शांते 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 श्रुतिस्मृतिपुराणानाम् आलयं करुणालयं न भगवत्पाद शंकरम् लोकशंकरम् शंकरम् शंकराचार्यम् केशवम् बादरायनम् सूत्रभाष्यक्रुतो वंदे भगवन्तो पुनपुनः श्वरो गुरुरात्मेति मूर्तिभेदविभागिने व्योमवद्व्याप्तदेहाय दक्षिणामूर्तये नमः गुकारस्तवन्धकारस्च रुकारस्तन्निवर्तकः अन्धकारनिरोधित्वाद् गुरुरित्यभिधीयते सदाशिवसमारंभाम् शंकराचार्यमध्यमाम् अस्मदाचार्यपर्यंतम् वंदे गुरुपरंपरम् चंद फर्स्ट वर्सेस श्री भगवान् वाचे इदम् शरीरम् काउंते क्षेत्रमित्यभिधीयते एतद्योवेतितम् प्राहु क्षेत्रज्ञ इदितद्विदह क्षेत्रज्ञम् चापिमाम् विद्धि सर्वक्षेत्रेशु भारते क्षेत्रक्षेत्रज्ञयोर्ग्यानम् यत्तज्ञानम् मतम्मम् इदम् शरीरम् काउंटेया क्षेत्रम् इति अभिधियते Arjuna, know that this Sharir of the body is Kshitram, is the field of experience. It is what we call the object of awareness, is something that is known to you. Etadyovetitam prahuhu Kshitrajnaha, and the one who knows the Kshitra. So Lord Krishna uses the word Kshitra and Kshitrajnaha. So new terminology, Kshitra and Kshitrajnaha. So, as I said yesterday, Kshetra means a field, 
Here we can say Kshetram is field of experience. So, you see, the, the cows always run towards the field, the grass fields. In the morning when Lord Krishna takes the cows for grazing, they see the grass in the fields and run towards that. Similarly also the sense organs, when they see the field of objects, they run towards them. In that sense also, field is there where the cows go for grazing. And here is the field of objects where our sense organs also go for grazing, meaning go for gaining various experiences. Not looking back, not looking back as to who is behind them. So cows you know, look back that Lord Krishna is behind them and so also the sense organs are so fascinated by the sense objects that they never look back as to who is behind them. That way also field means so because sense organs are made extrovert and mind also is made extrovert. So where what is whatever it is within the reach of sense organs in the mind and later on including the sense organs in mind, all of this is called field, that which is illumined, that which is that which is object is subject to objectification. So that is called field here. And thus dividing the whole existence into two, Kshetra and Kshetragnya, the field and the knower of the field, the object and the subject. In fact, that comprises the entire universe, the entire existence. There are only two entities, the object and the subject. So here, you know, first of all, know this difference or know this distinction. Understand that the distinction is missing in your life and that what is object is taken to be the subject. So therefore, the shariram, that's why Lord uses the word shariram, this body, the gross and subtle body, shariram, is understand that it is kshetram, it is the it is object of knowledge. It is a field of experience and it is object and not the subject. So as we discussed yesterday, since in our own self, this kind of an error exists or this delusion exists where one thing is taken to be the other. This is what we call the mutual superimposition. We gave the example yesterday of the iron and the fire, how there is a mutual superimposition. And iron seems to acquire the properties of fire and vice versa and similarly here also, the self seems to acquire the properties of the body and thus experiences a sense of limitation. And the body seems to acquire the properties of the self, the consciousness, and therefore the body becomes conscious as though. <coughs> so, because this is that, therefore, it is it's quite understandable that the body is taken to be the self. It's nobody's fault. Whatever is conscious is taken to be the self. And the body, we experience it to be conscious, and therefore, it is quite understandable that the body is taken to be the self. But it is not the self. And therefore, understand this distinction first, that you are not the body, you are not the mind. These are the objects of your experience. <coughs> and second thing, equally important when this today is, Kshetrajnam Chapimam Vidhi Sarvakshetreshu Bharata. If Bharata here, you know, further understand that the Kshetrajnam, the knower in one personality, is in fact the knower in all the personalities. So first of all understand who you are, that you are the self of this personality. The personality is something different from you and you are the self. And secondly recognize that you are the self not only of this one personality but the self of all the personalities. 
you are not only a subject but you are the subject there is no one like you can say there is no one first of all equal to you and secondly there is no one like you this is how Swami is saying formally there is no one equal to you in what sense? in the sense that you are the only subject everything else is object in fact the whole universe falls in the category of object that which is known and you are the only subject the knower so you are the conscious being everything else is in it everything else in the universe requires in fact to be illumined nothing can in fact establish or nothing can reveal its existence unless it is illumined by consciousness unless it is illumined by you and therefore what we call object of knowledge is that which illumine that which is lighted and then alone it can be known and you are self-effulgent you are self-illumined so you are the one that illumines the whole universe you are the illuminator everything else is illumined as we've been saying what we mean by perception or cognition is nothing but illumination when I perceive an object such as a flower what is happening is that I am illumining this object because a flower doesn't have the capacity to reveal itself unless it is illumined not only illumined by the external light but illumined by the light of my eyes if my eyes are closed or if I am looking in another place then this flower cannot make itself known to me when can the flower make itself known to me when there is a contact with the flower contact of my eyes with the flower what do you mean by the eyes? by eyes we mean the power of seeing how do the eyes get the power of seeing? through the mind how does the mind get the power of seeing? to the consciousness so real power of seeing is consciousness itself which power is then imparted to the mind which is further imparted to sense organs and then with that when the flower is contacted then the flower becomes known to me if anyone is not present the flower cannot be known if the eyes are not there I cannot see, perceive the flower eyes are there but the mind is somewhere else then also I cannot perceive the flower <coughs> so flower a typical object of perception is perceived or we can say it is illumined who illumines this flower? the perceiver illumines what is perceived the subject illumines the object and therefore I am the subject everything else is object I am the illuminator everything else is illumined everything else requires me to illumine them then alone they can reveal their existence whereas I am self-existing, self-shining. <coughs> so I am the only conscious being, the only subject, everything else is object. Swami, how can you say that? I am also subject, you can say. And you are object, you know. How can you say you are the only subject? But then what it is is that you can never actually perceive I who is a subject. When you say that I see you, what you see is my body. But the I, the self, the consciousness, you can never see. Or when I see you, I really see your body, I do not see the consciousness that you are. Because consciousness is unknowable, it cannot be objectified by the organs of perception of the mind. And therefore, coming to think of it, all there is is only one subject. And I am the subject, every consciousness being only one, that's the only subject manifesting through all these personalities. <coughs> There is no one like me. But still there are two categories. The subject and the object. 
and there is duality if subject and object are different if object stands apart from the subject then the object limits the subject because where the object is subject is not and where the subject is object is not if two things stand apart from each other enjoying its own existence or reality then each one limits the other like the flower is one and this book is another one so flower stands apart from the book the flower is not the book book is not the flower similarly also if object is not the subject and subject is not the object then subject would limit the object object would limit the subject in which case each one will be limited that is called duality when there are more than one realities that is called duality understand what is meant by duality not there are many things that is not duality but there are many realities that is called duality that there are many ornaments is not duality because there is only one gold but if there is gold and silver and copper and things like that each one being different then that is what we mean by duality so duality means more than one realities if object is independent of the independent reality and subject is independent reality if these two are independent realities that is what we would mean by duality so it is nice to know that there is no one like me that i am only subject only conscious being the consciousness everything else is object inert limit i am the eliminator everything is eliminated that's wonderful but still if what eliminates stands apart from me then it will still create in me a sense of limitation because what that is is not what i am even if i am a very wealthy person if a poor person stands apart from me then i am always i feel that well i do not have what that person has but swami ji a wealthy person has everything what does he not have a poor person doesn't have anything the poor person at least doesn't have to worry about any bank accounts or filing his income tax returns or worrying about you know uh, how to protect his property because he doesn't have anything to that extent at least he is relieved from some worries and anxieties i mean he is by himself so similarly also if object stood apart even though it is inert and whatever it is if if object stood apart from the subject it would mean duality but is object different from the subject swami ji is not the flower different from you is flower different from me yes flower is there and you are here but what is meant by me if this body is i then definitely flower is different from i but if i am consciousness then what is the boundary of the consciousness where does consciousness stop does it stop at the body the body also is in consciousness the flower also is in consciousness this hall also is in consciousness the whole universe is in consciousness there is nothing that stands apart from consciousness is it not so and therefore there is distance between the body and the flower there is distance between the body and the tree outside there but there is no distance between like saying that there is no distance between the space and the flower there is no distance between the space and the tree there is nothing apart from space and space itself is in consciousness and therefore there is no distance that anything else with consciousness and therefore there is nothing apart from consciousness nothing stands apart from consciousness everything is because of consciousness is everything shines because consciousness shines shines and therefore what we call object also is not apart from the subject the subject is apart from the object but object is not apart from the subject 
meaning that the subject can be without the object, the object cannot be without the subject. Again, going back to our example of an actor, assuming the role of a beggar, we say that the beggar is dependent upon the actor. The actor is not dependent upon the beggar. The beggar is because the actor is. But actor is because actor is. This actor is what we call actor enjoy, what we call an independent reality. The beggar enjoys a dependent reality. Similarly, also in the subject-object vyavastha or the subject-object system, the subject is the self, self-existing, self-shining, enjoying independent reality. Whereas the object shines because the subject shines, object exists because the subject exists, and object enjoys a reality based on the subject. And what are the words for that? That which enjoys independent reality is called satyam. That which enjoys a dependent reality is called mithya. Therefore, the subject is satyam. The object is mithya. I am satyam. The whole universe is mithya. What is mithya? That which is superimposed or projected. Like the rope and the snake. The rope is real. The snake is superimposed upon the rope. Unreal or mithya. So mithya is always superimposed and that means that the whole objective creation is that which is superimposed upon the subject. Who am I? I am the very support of the entire universe and the substratum of the entire universe. The whole universe is in fact supported by I, is superimposed upon I. Swami, that must be very, you must feel very heavy. The whole universe is supported by you? Yes. Like all the waves are supported by water. How much weight does the water carry for carrying the waves? If waves are any different from water, then alone the water can have any weight. Or just as the snake is supported by the rope, but the snake is a projection. And similarly, the whole objective universe is supported, projected upon the subject. The subject itself is satyam. The object is what we call mithya. And mithya never stands apart from satyam. That means the case, you cannot count the mithya as separate. So when you count the satyam, the mithya gets counted. When you count me, all the shadows get counted, you know. Sometimes what happens? There are several lights, you know, street lights, and we stand in the middle, there are six shadows. So how many people are there? You count me and then count every shadow separately, no? When you count me, all the shadows get counted. Or sometimes when I stand in front of the mirror, there are a number of reflections there. So when I am visiting you and you want to offer me a cup of tea, Swamiji, how many are there? Then I must should I count? I am there and there are six fellows in there also. So please bring seven cups of tea? No. When I drink tea, all the fellows are drinking, you know, all of them drink tea. Is it not so? The reflection does not stand apart from that which is reflected. The mithya does not stand apart from the satyam. The object does not stand apart from the subject. In fact, just as a snake does not stand apart from the rope. What is snake? Is nothing but the manifestation of rope. The rope only appears as a snake. The satyam appears as mithya. And similarly also, the subject appears as object ultimately. What we call the object of creation? Nothing but the manifestation of himself, the consciousness. And therefore Lord Krishna says, Kshetrajnam Chabhamam Vidhi Sarakshetre Shubharata Hi Bharata Here Arjuna understand that I am the very self I am the Kshetrajna 
I am the self in all the personalities. And ultimately, I alone am. It is to begin with, we seem to make a distinction between the person and personality. But later on recognize that what we call personality does not stand apart from person. What we call personality is nothing but a superimposition upon the person and all that is nothing but the person. Appearing as personality. To begin with, is to make a distinction between the wave and water. We tell the wave, water, hey water, you are the knower of the wave. In the wave there are two aspects, there is a name and form and there is water. We tell the water. That understand that your form and name are the body and the one who knows that body, name and form is you the water. So there are two entities, the water and the forms. But then what are the names and forms of the waves? Nothing but the projection upon the water. The water alone appears as all the waves and similarly also it is self alone that appears as the whole universe. All there is is only one. Idam saram yadayam atma all of this is nothing but the self. <coughs> so this is what the Upanishads teach and this is what Lord Krishna is teaching. This is the teaching of non-duality. What is meant by non-duality is that there is only one reality and there is nothing other than that reality. Even though we use the word mitya in order to understand the manifest creation but ultimately what we mean by mitya is nothing but the manifestation of satyam. So what we mean by the creation or objective creation is nothing but the manifestation of my own self. And therefore for a wise person, the whole universe also is nothing but his own glory. And so Lord Krishna would say that the whole universe is my glory. In fact a wise person all can say the whole universe is my glory. You are my glory. This body also is my glory. Everything becomes a glory. <coughs> so this is what we mean by Advaita or non-duality. That all there is, is one. What's the nature of that one consciousness? That's what we mean by that is which is free from every limitation and therefore it is infinite. It is limitless, free from every limitation. That's what we mean by it is a whole and complete. It is whole and complete. One wholeness, one completeness alone is. And that's what is meant by saying Purnamadaha, Purnamidam. Adaha, the self is Purna, the complete. Idam, the objective world also is complete as much as it is nothing but the manifestation of this completeness. Purnat, Purnamudachate, the self that is complete from that alone, the universe also emerges as a projection. Purnasya, Purnamadaya, recognizing the Purnatam, the wholeness of myself, Purnameva Avashishate, all that remains in the perception of the wise person is nothing but Purnatam, one wholeness, appearing as subject and object. And all of this nothing but the play of one wholeness on one completeness. <coughs> this is what Lord Krishna teaches in the first two verses, which is what the Upanishads teach. <coughs> Therefore, Lord Krishna said in the second line of the second verse, Kshetra Kshetra Gnayodhyanam Yatta Gnayanam Matamama. Here, you know, this knowledge of Kshetra and Kshetra knowledge of subject and object. The person and the personality. Well, the true knowledge of that is, in my opinion, the knowledge. Because there is no third entity, understand? There is no third entity, in fact there is no second entity also, but then, to begin with as though there are two entities, the Kshetra and the Kshetra the object and the subject. Understand Arjuna, 
that when you know the object properly and subject properly, then you know everything properly. And that is what said is the liberating knowledge. Revealing this fact that all there is is oneself and that is I. And there is nothing to limit that. And therefore it is free from every limitation. It is what we call the boundless or the infinite self. <coughs> if you gain this knowledge, the life has can open it says. No If this knowledge is gained while one is in human form, then the life has a fulfillment. If one does not gain that knowledge, then the life has not gained the fulfillment. <coughs> then there is a great loss. So this is a theme of the Upanishads here presented in two verses, which will be expounded also in subsequent verses. <coughs> when this is said, that I am Brahman. So the question is asked, if as you say, in, if in all the personalities, what is the personality? This complex of body, sense organs, mind, intellect, that upadhi or the complex is called personality. It is also called kshetra. If in all the kshetras, if in all the personalities, there is one person, Lord Krishna says, that there is only I, oh Lord, if you are the self of all, if you are the person, the self in all the personalities. Other than you, then there is nothing. Oh, there is one Ishwara. If there is one Ishwara, then what happens is this. If you say that you are the only one, does it mean that you have become this Jiva? So question can be asked. If God is the only one, the Swamiji, good also is God, and bad also is God, and evil also is God, and this saint also is God, and sinner also is God. Does it mean that God has become all of this? If everything is God, then we have to say that the God has become the individual, in that case he has become a samsari. If he has become a samsari, then there is no samsari left. In that case, that is a, you know, that's the situation that will arise. If you say that the Jiva and Ishwara are one, Jiva means the limited individual, Ishwara means the Lord. If Jiva and Ishwara are one, does it mean that Ishwara has become Jiva? Or has Jiva become Ishwara? So if Jiva and Ishwara are one, all it means that there is only Jiva, only there is Ishwara. If there is Ishwara, then there is no samsara. If there is only Jiva, then there is no liberation. See, understand what is being said here is that Lord Krishna says that I am the self in all the beings. If you are the self in all the beings, then this all the beings that we see right now, all the limited beings that you are, Lord Krishna says I am. Does it mean that you are the samsari? Does it mean that you have become a samsari? Have become a jiva? If God has become Jiva or a Samsari, then no Asamsari or no God remains, no liberated one remains, then all there is is Samsara, which means that there is no liberation. No, no, I don't mean that. I am God and that's why I am always liberated. Oh, you mean that you the Self is always liberated? Then there is no bondage. So, this identity can raise this question. If God is a self, then I that it means that there is nothing but bondage because God has become the self. 
If you say that self, is, self becomes God in that case, if self is God, then there is no samsara. But we experience samsara. So you cannot say there is no samsara. And there is also liberation. Therefore, you cannot say there is no God. So when this identity is being told, then these questions arise in the mind of the dualists. Then if God is the self, then either self is all that remains, in which case all that is there is a God has become samsari. Or if self is God, then there is no samsara, in which case there is no samsara at all. But we experience samsara, therefore you cannot deny that there is samsara. At the same time, the Upanishads teaches that you are Brahman, therefore we cannot deny God also. There is God also as well as samsara. But if God is identical to individual then, either there is only God and no samsara, or there is samsara and no God. And so both these positions are not right. So these questions can arise, and therefore Bhashyakara in fact takes up a long discussion here. So no, both are right, that there is God and no samsara also, and there is samsara as well as God also. Meaning that when one has the knowledge of the true nature of oneself then, all there is is God, no samsara. But then, as long as one does not have the knowledge, then the samsara is as the real. The samsara or duality is not real. But not knowing its nature, one takes it to be real. <coughs> and so, that samsara is unreal, and God is real. just said that what we call samsara, the duality, the multiplicity, the sense of limitation is mithya or unreal, and the limitlessness or wholeness is that which is real or satyam. <coughs> Then what is this? How do we experience samsara? In fact, Lord Krishna is going to talk about that later on in this verse. But what is meant is that, on account of ignorance, the self, who is in fact Brahman, it is not that, as we said yesterday, that we have to become Brahman. The self or the I, that is limitless even right now. Even when I am feeling a sense of limitation, then also I am limitless. As I say, sometimes when I am searching for a bunch of key, which is in my own pocket, even when I am searching for a bunch of key, it is still with me. Or even when the tenth man is searching for the tenth man, he is still tenth man. And similarly also, even now when I look upon myself as some sort of limited being, I am limitless. But Swami, how can it be that the one who is limitless takes himself to be limited? How? So that is what he said, is ignorance. Not knowing the true nature of myself, I take myself to be different from what I am. <clears throat> and therefore, Dehadishu, Atmabuddhi, on account of identifying with my personality, I take myself, I entertain a notion of being only as good or as big or as limited as my personality. Meaning that the sense of limitation that I am feeling is not the truth about myself, it is only a notion. And thus, everyone entertains a false notion of a sense of limitation. It's a notion arising on account of looking upon body, non-self, as myself. And that's how yesterday we said identification. How when there is identification? When I get absorbed in something and become one with what it is that I'm watching, how I forget my own identity and how I become that with which I'm identified. And similarly also, this mind is there, the body is there, and there is an identification, therefore, there is a forgetfulness or ignorance of my true nature, and I take myself to be as good 
or as big or as limited as my body-mind complex. And that is how the sense of limitation comes. When moment I feel a sense of limitation, then I cannot accept it. I cannot accept myself as a limited being, that's for sure. And thus I get suffocated. Immediately there is an impulse from within me to become free from the sense of limitation. And that's how desire arises. So every desire has behind it, there is only one desire and that is becoming free from a sense of limitation. And if I perform an action to become free, you can never become free because a free person cannot become free. You must have heard this story. This story sometimes you tell, you know, the story of this cow. There is this forest in which this guru, the teacher, is living with his disciple. A disciple serves the teacher and sits at his feet and serves him and learns from him. So both the duties. Every morning this disciple should wake up early morning and there are four cows. He must release his cows, untie them, take them to the forest for grazing, bring them back in the evening, again tie them with the ropes at the post and then do the rest of the work. This was his routine. So one evening when this disciple comes home, after, you know, returns with the cows, then he ties one after the other cows with the post with the rope. But unfortunately that evening he found that one of the ropes is missing. So he did not have a rope to tie the fourth cow. Now what should I do? He went to the teacher inside. See, whenever there is any problem you go to the teacher. What should I do? He says, tie the cow. Nobody has lost it. There is no rope. The rope has been lost. Doesn't matter. You tie the cow. How can I tie the cow? I am telling you, you go and do the same kind of gestures, movements, as though you are tying the cow. Take the cow to its appointed place and tie it with the rope. This poor disciple could not understand what the teacher was saying. But anyway, since the teacher said, he said, okay, let me do that. He led the cow to the usual spot and with the rope as though he was tying the cow. And cow kept on standing there. This fellow could not believe, but he could not sleep that night. He was scared. Any time the cow would walk away, maybe half an hour would wake up and see, and the cow is still there for the whole night. The cow was there, safe. In the morning then, again, an early morning, he had to lead all the cows to the forest. He untied those three cows, one after the other, and then you twist the tail, you know, that's how the cow starts moving. The fourth cow did not have to be untied because it was not tied to begin with. So he twisted the tail of the cow, but the cow would not move. He said, Guruji has done something, some mantra is there by which this cow has become, you know, it doesn't move. So he went back inside to the Guru and asked him, what's the matter? So what happened? This cow does not move from its place. But did you untie the cow? But sir, I did not tie the cow in the first place. No, no, you go and untie the cow. In the same way as you tied it. Again, the poor disciple could not understand. He went out and did the same gestures as though he is untying the cow. And to his great surprise, when he now twisted the tail, the cow started moving. 
disciples thought this must be some kind of a miracle that the Guru has performed, you know, that by his power the cow could not move for the whole night and by his power now the cow has started moving. But really, all that happened here as you know is that this Brahma or delusion was created in the cow. The cow thought that it is tied. And therefore, it did not move. And the next morning, the cow was untied. So tying, un- understand that untying of the cow is the same degree of reality as tying the cow. But Swami, there was no untying, that was just a show. But because tying also was a show. So bondage uh, is also like that. Cow thinks that it is bound. So this is purely a notion that the cow entertains that I am bound. And therefore, it is not that cow has to be released from the bondage. All that is necessary is that the notion of bondage should go. Actually, all that has to go is the notion of bondage. Because bondage is the notion. And all that has to go is a notion. So poor cow can do whatever it wants. It, you know, it wants to become free from the bondage and does all kinds of things. But the bondage which is non-existent cannot go by any efforts. A non-existent bondage only can go by knowledge that it is non-existent. Therefore Vedantin teachers explain how the sense of limitation that I feel is comparable to the sense of bondage that that cow felt. It is not there, but somehow the idea has taken over my mind that I am a limited being. That is, the limitation of this body-mind complex are taken away my limitation and I suffer from a sense of limitation. I want to become free from limitation. I perform all kinds of actions. Some actions are virtuous, some actions are vicious. These actions produce the results and I must be around to experience those results. If those results can be experienced in this life, then again continue in the next life. This is how the samsara goes on, all a product of a notion. <coughs> when that notion goes away, the need to become free goes away, the need to perform any action goes away, the ragadveshas go away, karma phala goes away, and the person becomes free from karma also, freedom from ignorance and freedom from karma. And therefore, the bondage and liberation are product of ignorance and knowledge. In fact, the self is free from bondage and therefore it is even free from liberation, really speaking. So Shankaraja says, Sadame samatvam na muktirna bandha. I am ever the same. There is no mukti liberation, there is no bandha, bondage also. But bondage is a notion and therefore that notion must be removed or dispelled in wake of the knowledge of the true nature of myself. <coughs> Thank God that superimposition does not change the nature of something. Even though I superimpose idea of snake upon the rope, the rope does not become the snake. That's a good thing. That in spite of the superimposition of the idea of snake, the snake does not impart any poison to the rope. Even when we superimpose the idea of mirage water upon desert, not a single grain of desert becomes wet. And similarly also, even when we superimpose the idea of that limitation upon myself, in fact the self does not become limited. It remains what it is. That's the reason why we can overup the freedom which is our nature. If by superimposing, by accusing, all I am doing is accusing myself all the time. I am a doer, enjoyer, limited, etc. 
But all those things do not in any way change the nature of the self. And that's the reason why we can own up the self which is of the nature of freedom. <coughs> so this is what basically Lord Krishna teaches in these two verses, as we said, which is the vision of all the Upanishads. And what has been stated now, now Lord Krishna proceeds to elaborate that. <coughs> so what is stated briefly in the two verses now, Lord Krishna wants to elaborate and for that he makes a proposal here in this third verse. So the third verse says, Tatkshetram yachaya drakcha Tatkshetram yachaya drakcha Yadvikari yataschayata Yadvikari yataschayata Sachayo yat prabhavascha Sachayo yat prabhavascha Tat samasena meshrunu Tat samasena meshrunu Tat kshetram Yerjuna Dat kshetra Of which we say Iram shariram kaunte kshetram So the kshetra that was mentioned by the word sharira In the first body In the first verse Dat kshetra Yatcha Yat so what it is? So what is that kshetra? Although Lord Krishna said, idam shariram kshetram, the sharira is kshetra, the body is kshetra, but then the word body stands for a lot of things. Therefore, Lord Krishna says now, what is that kshetra? I will tell you, so tat samasena meshranam. Listen to it from me in brief. So Lord Krishna says, tat samasena meshranam, means from me, shranam, listen, Listen carefully or listen with attention in brief what I am going to say. Lord, what are you going to say in brief? So Lord Krishna says, what it is that he is going to say in the subsequent chapter. Tat kshetram, what that kshetra is, what that field of experience is, this is what I am going to tell you. And Lord Krishna will say, Mahabhutani, Ahankar, etc. Beginning from five elements and the whole universe will be described as included in the kshetram, including our own mind and everything. <coughs> All that is jaram, all that is inert, all that is objectifiable, or all that is illumined, is the meaning of the word kshetra. And what it is, Lord Krishna will right? Tat kshetram yat yadruka. And of what kind it is? What is the kshetra and what is the nature of that? What is the nature? Nature is that it is jaram, drushyam, paichinnam. It will be said that kshetram is jaram, is inert, meaning it is not self-effulgent, it requires to be illumined by consciousness. It is drushyam, the always object, never the subject. Parichinnam, it is limited. So limited, inert, object is the nature of kshetra. So what the kshetra is that I will tell you, how the kshetra is that also I will tell you. See what and how of what nature are different. So the whole world is kshetra. At the same time, what's the nature of that? That it is mithya, is unreal. It is jadam, it is drishyam, it is parichannam, meaning it is, it is parichan limited. It is drishyam, it is an object. <coughs> so, tat kshetram yat yadrukcha yad vikari. What are its modifications, I will tell you. How the kshetra gets modified into, see, icha, dvesha, etc. So, icha, dvesha, raga, etc. In that, it gets modified, I will tell you that. 
yadvikari yatasyata yataha is the fifth case from what so from what cause yat means the effect so from what cause what effect comes out so i will also tell you what is the effect that is produced from what cause lord krishna will say subsequently karyakarana kartrutve hetuh prakriti uchyate purushah sukhadukhanam bhoktrutve hetuh uchyate this prakriti is the cause of creating the soul universal nature of karya and karana karya means the the cre- object of creation as well as our body karana means our subtle body understand arjuna that the growth in the subtle body both of the are and the products of prakriti matter of kshetra purusha sukha dukhanam bhoktrutve hetu uchyate this purusha the self also become the cause because of ignorance he takes himself to be a karta and therefore the notion of doership enjoyership etc is because of the purusha and the gross and subtle body and the whole universe is because of prakriti so yatah yatah yat what is the cause of what that is what effect is produced from what cause that i will tell you sachayo yat prabhavascha and also what's the prabhava what's sachah sahaja is what's the nature of the kshetrajna what's the nature of this person svaprakasha chaitanya ananda swabhavah so one svaprakasha self effulgent ananda swabhavah of the nature of ananda or purnata or wholeness so what that is that is what i will tell you <coughs> yat prabhavascha or lord krishna will say subsequently upadrashta anumanta cha bharta bhokta maheshwarah is the upadrashta is one that is the, the seer in all you know proximate seer anumanta the permitter in that manner the nature of the purusha or nature of kshetrajna will be soul yat prabhavascha and what's the prabhava what are all these uh, powers bharta bhokta maheshwarah sachayo yat prabhavascha tat samasena meshunu all of these samasena So, Kshetra, Kshetra Gnayathatmyam, Arjuna, I am going to describe to you in detail now. Actually, he says in brief, but I am going to elaborate upon his idea of what is the nature of Kshetra and what is the nature of Kshetra Gnayam. So, because that Viveka is the subject matter of this chapter, and therefore, both of this I will tell you. Please listen to me with attention. Venuva Shrunu, Shrunu means listen. Listen means, listen with attention. Not only listen, but then, understand with attention what it is that i tell you tat samasena meshunu i will i will tell you in brief lord you are telling us in brief that means somewhere it must be told in detail lord krishna says i will tell you that in brief so when you are saying that in brief where is it told in detail so lord krishna says in the fourth verse where do you find all this thing in detail so if you want to refer and want to get further information or more details then you can refer to other places so the fourth verse says rushibhir bahudha geetam rushibhir bahudha geetam chando bhir vividhai prithaka chando bhir vividhai prithaka brahma sutra padais chaiva brahma sutra padais chaiva 
aphorisms which in fact tell us what is the subject Tatparya of the Upanishads and very often Brahma Sutras also refer to the Smriti of Bhagavad Gita. So Bhagavad Gita is a reference text for Brahma Sutra also. So what is meant by Brahma Sutra Padayasheva? So Brahma Sutra Sutrate Sutrate. So Brahma Sutra is those Brahma Sutra Pada. What are the words? So those words and sentences where Brahman is revealed. So this talks about the Upanishad. So Upanishad consists of all the various statements where Brahman is revealed in a sutra or a forestic manner. Sometimes we find that elaborately, sometimes we find in a brief way. For example, Upanishad says, Yatova Imani Bhutani Jayante. So that from which the whole universe emerges, that by which the whole universe is sustained, under which the whole universe merges back, know that to be Brahman. So thus Upanishads describe Brahman this way, as way what we call Tatastalaksha indirectly, or Satyam Jnana Vanantam Brahman. That's how this Swarupa Lakshana. So these are what we call Brahma Sutra. Brahma Sutra Pada. All the various words or sentences in the Upanishads wherein Brahma is in fact described, or Brahman is expounded, not described, expounded either as the Jagat Karanam, the cause of the creation, or expounded for what it is, Satyam Jnana Manantam Brahma. Or the other sentence is also in the Upanishads where it says, Atma Vaitya Upasita. Hey, may you know the truth to be Atma. And so in this Pada, in this kind of brief statements, Upanishads expound the nature of truth. So, Chandobhi, by the Mantra and the Brahmana section, Brahma Sutra Padaihi, Hetumadbhi. Hetu means with reasoning. So Upanishads also very in many places provide reasonings also. Not only Upanishads makes a declaration also, but provides the reason leading to the explanation of that. And so, Hetumadbhi, Vinaschitaihi. And also, that which creates in us a nischaya or a conviction, which leaves no doubt in us. So Brahma Sutra Padaihi, those statements of the Upanishads, which in which the reasoning also is provided and also the communication is done in such a manner as to leave no doubts in us by those also Lord Krishna says that the same subject or theme is described and Nushibihi Bahudagitam and what the Rishis did taking these Upanishads and taking this mantra and Karmakanda taking the Veda the Rishis compose what we call the Smritis and the Puranas so Smritis and Puranas also basically describe the very same thing. So understand Arjuna in the Shruti and also Yoga Shastra. So Yoga Shastra and all these texts also are called those which are sung by the Roshis. All the Shastras, whether Vaishajika or Nyaya or Yoga or Sankhya, all of these are the compositions of Roshis. And the Roshis basically sing the same truth in their own way. So Roshibihi Vahudagitam. So this is that which is sung variously by the sages in what we call the Smriti Granthas, such as the different Dashanas, including Yoga, Chandobhi, Vividehi, Prasakgitam, also separately and distinctly sung by the Vedas, the Mantra and Brahmana section, Brahma Sutra Padaisheva, Hetumadbihi, Vinishchitaihi, and also by the statements revealing the nature of Brahman, the Upanishad sing. And so these are the places where Arjuna, all of this is elaborately described. All of that, I am Samasena Meshnu, all of that I am going to tell you in briefly as to what Dikshitra is, what are its various modifications, 
what's the nature of Kshetrajna? What is this glowing? All this now, I am going to tell you. And that will form the... So these two verses, in fact, or the third verse in particular, is like an introduction of what is going to be this described in the rest of the chapter. Okay. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavantau Punapunaha Ishvaro Guruatmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Hari Om